Well, it's May the 3rd, and so may I be the first person to wish you a happy National Garden Meditation Day. Or if you prefer, a happy National Specially Able Pets Day. Uh, and how good it was actually to see Father John Francis's dog uh, video bombing him uh, during the gospel lesson. Uh, or maybe happy national two different coloured shoes day. Or happy national chocolate custard day. Now we're talking. Or if you're really desperate for something to celebrate today, how about national lumpy rug day? Face it, you've been sitting in your living room now for seven weeks, looking at the lump in the rug, telling yourself that you really should get up, walk over and stand on it, but you've never had the motivation to actually do it. So this is the perfect moment. If you can't be bothered to flatten the lump in the rug on National Lumping Rug Day, then you never will be. It's Good Shepherd Day too. The fourth Sunday of Easter always is. So on this fourth Sunday of Easter every year, we read part of John chapter 10, where Jesus declares he is the good shepherd. And preachers, especially those who have never lived in the English countryside, struggle to find something to say about sheep. Fortunately, I have lived in the English countryside. We even owned a border collie at the time but I'm afraid the Border Collie knew much more about sheep than I did. In fact, he knew more about most subjects than I did, like cars, computers, the Dewey Decimal System. Well, it is National Specially Able Pet Day. Now, I've read about sheep farming in the Middle East at the time of Jesus. Shepherds kept their sheep in one of two ways, depending on whether they were in the village or out in the country. And now work with me here, because this gets a bit technical. Villages had large communal corrals. At night, the shepherds brought their flocks into the pen and left them in the care of an attendant, a bit like valet parking. So in this sheep pen, there'd be lots of sheep belonging to different farmers and the attendant would close the gate and keep watch over the sheep. In the morning, each farmer would return and call his flock and lead them back out into the hills. Now that image is probably the one Jesus is thinking of in the first six verses of the lesson we just read. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. So that's how the shepherds in the villages kept their sheep safe. But out in the open country, there was another way. 
There, a shepherd would herd his sheep into low-walled enclosures made of rocks. And this pen would have a small opening. But interestingly, there was no gate to this enclosure. There was just a small gap of two or three feet, just enough for a sheep to get through and not much more. Now at night, since there was no gate, the shepherd would lie across the opening. That would keep the sheep in and the wolves out. No predator would dare step over the body of a shepherd to get into the pen, and no sheep would dream of hopping over him to get out. So here's the point. The farmer literally became the door to the sheep pen. I am the gate for the sheep, says Jesus. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So our good shepherd is also the door to the sheep pen. He keeps us safe. He calls us out into rich fields. Safety, security, abundant life. It's a hard thing to say and a hard thing to believe in the time of COVID when many thousands of people have not been kept safe. In the New York City metro area, we may soon be at a point where every one of us knows someone who has died from the virus. So what is the word of the Good Shepherd to a region ravaged by COVID? Now, many Christian preachers would point to verses like John 10, verse 10, and interpret it as a financial or material thing. I have come to give you life, and life in all its fullness means to them wealth and health. Pleasant circumstances, they believe, are the fruit of the promise of Jesus. And by implication, the reverse is also true. Poverty and ill health are signs that God is not blessing us or protecting those sheep. But in the face of massive human suffering, we cannot agree with that, can we? What we know of God's heart, what we experience of the Good Shepherd, won't let us take such a view of this promise. There must be something more to this pledge of abundant life from the Good Shepherd to the sheep that goes way beyond such small and temporary things as physical health and material wealth. This is a dimension of human existence that the poets dreamt of and the prophets imagined. An abundance that can't be measured in dollars and youth. This is abundance that exists even when we are sick and scared and broke. 
even when we have conflict, even when there's still too much month left when the money runs out. These are the moments when the Good Shepherd draws even closer to us. It's in these moments of fear and worry and pain that he calls us, in the words of the psalm, to rest by the cool stream, to lie down in the soft grass, to receive from the Good Shepherd the comfort, the peace and the courage we need to go on. When the door of the sheep pen lies down and blocks the entrance, he dares our predators to step over him and snatch us. He won't let the worry overwhelm us, the fear choke us, the division to fracture our unity. COVID entered the sheep pen, and so the enemy cannot be COVID, or the death and the poverty that resulted. No, the enemy is the bundle of things that wants to come with COVID. The despair, the hopelessness, the fear, the crippling anxiety, the negligence towards our neighbours, the selfishness and the fragmentation of society into two hostile groups along ideological lines that we are increasingly experiencing. He taunts them because they don't have that power unless we give it to them. Sure, we may get sick, of course, we may suffer in debilitating and devastating ways, but we can never be snatched away from the love and the ultimate protection of the Good Shepherd. In Australia, they have a lot of sheep, 72 million of the bleaters. There are only 25 million humans. Now, like every industry today, Australian sheep farming is being transformed by technology. Ranchers attach tiny electronic tracking devices to the ears of their sheep. It doesn't harm the sheep at all, but lets them move around freely from the grazing area to the drinking area to the sleeping area, innocently unaware that they are being monitored by Big Brother. Bill Murray, no, not that Bill Murray, this is sheep, not groundhogs. I mean the Bill Murray, who is the spokesperson for the Australian sheep industry, says, we can keep tabs on a single sheep for its entire life. The transponders allow the sheep to make their own decisions without being hassled by people or dogs. I suppose this is a kind of YouTube. You, tube, E-double, okay. Now this is not the kind of shepherding that Jesus was talking about. The good shepherd does not sit at a monitor with his feet on the desk, drinking coffee, flicking through a copy of Sheep Shearing Monthly. No, the good shepherd gets his hands dirty. 
He has close relationships with his sheep. His sheep, he says, listen to his voice and he knows them. He goes with them into the open hillside. He stands watch when they face danger. He goes to great risk to protect them. In fact, he ultimately dies for them. We don't need a computer tracking device in our ears. We have a shepherd who is with us and he promises that no one will snatch us out of his hands. Tim Laniak, the academic dean of Gordon-Conwell Seminary, has interviewed a number of shepherds about their work, and in particular, one burning question. Do you know your sheep? And the replies shock him. Almost without exception, every shepherd assured him that, yes, they do know their sheep. One movingly said, I know the year the sheep was born, the circumstances of its birth. I know if it has broken any bones. I know which diseases it is susceptible to, which food it doesn't digest well. I know which animals it doesn't get along with. I know its temperament, if it tends to wander or fight or follow. Now, if our modern American sheep farmer knows her sheep that well, then how much more do you think the good shepherd knows you and me? Being fully known by God and still being loved and accepted is so personal, it's almost frightening. It can even make us want to hide. God knows you. I mean, the real you, not the one that I present in polite company. I mean, the other one, the one that practically no one sees. A woman once got into an elevator and looked around to notice she was standing next to Robert Redford. Uh, she stared at him and eventually jabbered, are you the real Robert Redford? And he replied, only when I'm alone. I mean, that you, that one when you're alone, that complicated, inconsistent, occasionally illogical, frequently infuriating, often unreasonable, broken, yet beautiful, unique, priceless, apple of God's eye, they call you. The Good Shepherd knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows who we are deep down in those places where no one sees and where even we are afraid to look. The Good Shepherd calls us by name and knows us. And so this week, in the time of COVID, may you experience the Good Shepherd of Psalm 23. May you lack nothing. May you lie down in green pastures, be led by still waters. Even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, may you fear no evil, for he is with you. Surely his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Amen.